you have your Bibles this morning, we're turning the book of Luke, chapter 23. I'd share with you earlier in the service about my experience this week, uh, waking up in the night, and about how the Lord had put a light on that cross, not just one night, but two nights. And I feel like that's where the Lord wants us to go, that just for a few minutes this morning, let's just linger around Calvary. Would that be all right? You found your place, Luke 23. I'll ask you to stand with us this morning as we read from verse 32. There were also two other male factors led with him to be put to death. When they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the male factors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots, and the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the male factors which were hanged railed on him saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. And the other answering rebuked him saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly. For we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Hallelujah. I want to preach this morning from this thought. Lord, remember me. Father, would you help us? Lord, would you remember us? Would you help us today, God, I pray. Touch us. Encourage hearts. Lift us today. Save, God, I pray. Please save. Help us in Jesus' name to present Jesus to this world, to our church here at Bethel. In Jesus' name I ask, amen and amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Just cried all morning. We've just read in your hearing about three crosses. Three men on three crosses. The man in the middle is my Savior, Jesus. And on his left and his right are two criminals, thieves, we're noticing this morning what one of the thieves said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. We notice that that thief, he's there. He's got a swollen tongue. He's got bleeding all over his body. His uh, throat is surcharged with blood as he hangs there. He can hardly turn his head even. His body is tortured with pain. And yet in that hour we find him calling out to Jesus, Lord, remember me. What an incredible prayer. 
I want to say four things this morning will be done. Number one, I see the failure that condemned him. A thief believes what you have belongs to him. That's why he takes it. But the seventh commandment says, Thou shalt not steal. And a thief has turned his back to the good things of life and he's chosen wickedness, he's chosen evil, and he's chosen lawlessness. You may come up today at Bethel and sit on the pews and say, oh yes, preacher, one thing I can't stand is a thief, but I would remind you, you're a thief. Oh preacher, what have I stolen? How about God's glory? How about God's praise? You've stolen from God and not even given him thanks or credit for what he's done for you. And I see this thief's failure in life. When I look at the titles of the thief, do you have your Bible? Turn with me to the book of Matthew. I want to look at chapter number 27 and see what the Bible calls him. Matthew 27 and verse number 38. Then were there two thieves crucified with him. Verse 44, the thieves also. My Bible calls them thieves. You know why? Thieves because they're not respectable. Nobody can trust him. You can't turn your back on him for a second. You surely don't want this man as your neighbor. You don't really want to be around him. In fact, Jesus one time in the book of Luke chapter 10 was referencing thieves when he said there was a man that was going down to Jerusalem and he fell among thieves. What did the thieves do? They stripped him of his raiment. They wounded him and departed from him, leaving him half dead. That's the way a thief thinks. Jesus described the devil as a thief. He said, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But praise God, Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 10, one of the types of people, one of the characteristics that would not enter into the portals of heaven would be thieves. My Bible in Matthew 27 calls this man, these two men, thieves because they're not respectable. Turn to the book of Mark chapter 15, a parallel passage, Mark 15. Let's see what Mark calls these thieves. Mark 15 and verse number 28. The scripture says in verse 28, and the scripture was fulfilled, which saith he was numbered with the transgressors. Mark calls them transgressors. What is a transgressor? It is someone who has no respect for the boundaries of men, for the boundaries of society, and for the boundaries and the laws of Almighty God. He steps over them at every opportunity that he's given. The Bible says in Matthew that they're thieves. The Bible says in Mark that's their transgressors. Now we read to you in the book of Luke, chapter 23 and verse 32, they're called malefactors. What is a malefactor? 
He is an evildoer. A malefactor is one that's believed to need restraint. This thief is not respectable. This thief is not respectful. This thief is needing restraint. Did you know what they said about Jesus? That he was a malefactor. That he needed to be restrained. That's what the chief priests and the elders and the scribes said about Jesus. But honey, I tell you, my Jesus is no sinner. My Jesus is no thief. Amen. He is the darling, sinless Son of Almighty God. What does the book of John have to say about these thieves, these transgressors, these malefactors? Turn with me in John chapter 19 and verse 18. I just thought this was interesting as I was studying about these thieves, what the Bible actually called them. In John chapter 19 and verse 18, look with me, I hope you'll see this. John 19 verse 18. Where they crucified him and to other with him on either side one and Jesus in the midst. You know what? He was not respectable. He's not respectful and he's needing restraint. But in verse 18, he's a nobody. The Bible calls him an other. The life of sin can become so, worth, uh, so uh, worthless that he's not even worthy of a title. Sin will make a nobody out of you. Nobody knows him. Nobody cares about him. And sin will lead you to that exact place. Number one, we see the failure that condemned him. He's a sinner. He's a thief. And I would be reminding you today that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Number two, back to our text. I want you to see the fear that convicted him. Initially, both thieves on each side of the cross railed against Jesus. And they began to notice the holy, harmless, undefiled, spotless, sinless Lamb of God, Jesus, hanging between them. Both thieves heard Jesus say, verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. These thieves, as they turned their head to look, they actually saw what goodness really was. They had never seen it before. They lived a life of transgression and lawlessness and wickedness. But now they see goodness hanging before them. And what did mankind do to goodness but crucify it? The first thief said in verse 39, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. But the second thief in verse 40, answering, rebuked him. What about that? And he said, Dost not thou fear God? The first thief, his heart was hardened in sin. The other thief, his heart was humbled in conviction. One cross is rejecting Jesus. The other cross is receiving Jesus. And the middle cross will redeem anyone 
that's looking unto him. Amen. Dost not thou fear God? We live in a generation that does not fear God anymore. There is corruption on every single hand. My Bible, I looked it up. It says, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And again, we live in a generation where there's no fear of God. Fear of God is reverence for a righteous God. Why, even an electrician fears electricity. He doesn't necessarily tremble at while he's working with it, but he's careful and he respects it because it will shock him and kill him. An airplane pilot has fear of gravity. He knows while he's cruising through the air that the law of gravity would pull him to the ground. He respects it, amen. He knows what it'll do. Honey, every sinner here today ought to have a fear of the holiness and the righteousness of Almighty God. Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man, he hath done nothing <laughs> amiss. He is confessing his sin. May I say this to you today? You cannot get saved until you first tell the truth about your sin. You must admit you're a sinner. I had put up a tent many years ago and was preaching a tent meeting. A lady came down. We'd had a bunch saved in those two weeks. A lady came down and she said, I need to be saved. I said, ma'am, do you believe Jesus is the Savior? Yep. Do you believe you're a sinner? Nope. You don't believe you're a sinner? Nope. Honey, I said, you just need to go back to your seat. You're not ready yet. She said, but I want to be saved. I said, saved from what? If you're not a sinner, you don't need to be saved. She said, but you said I need to be saved. I said, I also said, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. She said, okay then, I'm a sinner, but I'm a sinner that's good. I'm a good sinner. You know what I did? Go back to your seat. There is no sinner that's a good sinner. Jesus said there's none good but one, and that is God. Your preacher's not a good man. Our deacons are not good men. Our Sunday school teachers are not good people. Our choir's not good people. This church is filled this morning with hog gut wicked sinners. Don't you call me. Let me tell you something. She turned in a huff. She was mad because I told her that. She took about three or four steps and stopped and turned around and fell on her knees and began to weep. The mascara began to run. And she said, Preacher, I'm a wicked sinner. I need Jesus. You see, pride was going to hold her back. And it's killing our churches. We won't worship because of pride. We won't get saved because of pride. Honey, it's about time we got a case of the can't help it and just let God have his way. 
You cannot get saved until you tell the truth about sin. And this man on the cross told the truth about sin. We receive the due reward of our deeds. This man understood that the wages of sin is death. This man understood, Ezekiel says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. I have a verse for you. Will you hear it? Listen to this verse. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Good news, good news. I was a sinner and he came to save me. Hallelujah to God. Even David, when he was in his adulterous relationship with Bathsheba, and when he tried to cover it up, finally, when he was in his guilt, he said, Oh God, create in me a clean heart and renew within me a right spirit. He realized there was a fear that convicted him of his sin and you won't get forgiveness until you tell God the truth about your sin. You need to confess your sin. The word is homo logeo. Homo same logeo word. You need to say the same thing about your sin that God says. God says you're a sinner. You just need to admit it. Number two, we see the fear that convicted him. Number three, let us see the faith that converted him. You know, it's not enough for you to know that you're a sinner. It's not enough for you to tremble because you're a sinner. You've got to know the remedy for sin. You've got to know the Savior. Here this man is hanging on that cross, bleeding and dying, and can hardly even turn his head. But when he turns his head, he saw the sinless Son of God. I'm going to tell you a few things he noticed. First of all, he noticed that Jesus is the sinless Christ. This man hath done nothing amiss. You see, this thief knew he needed a Savior, and only a sinless Savior could save him. Come here, I want to tell you a little secret. The other night, our school played basketball. We lost every single game we played. Always frustrated. We came home. We had a JV game. Varsity girls, varsity boys. We was all frustrated. And to make it worse, in my car was three buckets of dirty, smelly jerseys that had been sweated in, worked and toiled in, that was creased up, and they was nasty and stinking. And now after we've lost, after we've lost I've got to wash them things and get them clean and ready for the next game. I guess so we can go lose again. I don't know. But I've got to wash those clothes. And so I threw the first load in there and I put in those, uh, those laundry pods and, and began to wash and wash. And when the cycle was complete, I throwed them in the dryer and I grabbed the next load. And I noticed that the washing machine was empty. It didn't have dirty water still in it. It was ready for the next clean water to come in. And I washed, listen, three loads of uniforms. I washed my whites. I washed my colors. I washed towels for me and Miss Gina. I did like six loads of wash. And every time I kept watching that washing machine, and every time I wasn't washing our clothes in dirty water, you'll not be saved. 
your sins be washed away by someone who's dirty. You can't have your sins washed away by another sinner. It's got, Lord of God, it's got to be the sinless Son of God. Only Jesus could wash our sins. I'm feeling like I'm about to run the pews, y'all. Y'all better clear space. Only Jesus can wash our sins. I've seen people ducking out of the way. They knew, uh uh-oh, here he goes. I'm just telling you, the Bible says, God the Father hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He washed me clean when he saved my soul. Jesus was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Hallelujah to God, amen. This man saw Jesus as the sinless Christ. He also saw Jesus as the sovereign Christ. What did he say? Lord, 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 remember me. I was looking in my Bible to see what was being said about Jesus. Nobody else at that point in time was calling him Lord. This thief did. Others were mocking, ridiculing, wagging their heads. The soldier said, if thou be. The hardened thief said, if thou be. The chief priest says, save yourself if you are the Christ. But this thief This repentant thief said, Lord. Now Jesus hanging on the cross with the cuts all over his back from being scourged. Nails in his hands. Nails in his feet. Beaten, bloodied, bludgeoned, and bruised. Does not look like a Lord. His kingdom looks to be shrinking to a narrow tomb. Oh, it's easy to call him Lord when it looked like he's on top. Peter called him Lord after a great catch of fish. Thomas called him Lord when he showed him his hands, his feet, and his side. He said, my Lord and my God. But this man called Jesus Lord while Jesus was dying on the cross. What a statement. Now may I say this? He's calling him Lord not just as a term of respect. He's talking about his sovereignty. He's talking about him being king. He saw Jesus on the cross as the king of the kingdom. That would mean that for a throne, he has a bloody cross. That means for a crown... He has a crown of thorns. It means for a scepter, he has the wicked nails in his hands. He's being rejected by all of society. And that thief called him Lord. Look around at the world in which we live today. He's being rejected, he's being refused. He's being denied. It doesn't look like he's on top. But I still call him Lord. I still call him Master. He's still my king. 
But I've got good news for you. It's not always going to be this way. Today he's being mocked. Today he's being ignored. Today he's being made fun of. He's being scorned. But my Bible, I've got a verse for you. My Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 15, which in time shall sow, shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I have good news for you, church. He's coming out on top, amen. And I'm gonna go be with him, amen. He saw Jesus as the sinless Christ. He saw Jesus as the sovereign Christ. I feel preaching stirring now. He saw Jesus, glory to God, as the saving Christ. Oh, listen, it doesn't look like Jesus is able to do anything for anybody. The rulers and the chief priests and the scribes are saying, if you're the Christ, save yourself and us. <laughs> Come down off that cross. Oh, they're asking the wrong question. They should have asked, if you're the Christ, come out of the tomb. You see, here's the thing. It wasn't that he couldn't come off the cross. He's God. It's that he wouldn't. He was held there by his love for you and me. I think he told Simon Peter. He said, Simon Peter, put up your sword. Could I not call... Twelve legions of angels to bring me off the cross? A legion is 6,000. Six times 12 is 72,000 angels. He can see it and get me off the cross. Get your calculator. Now I'm just going to tell you, one angel in my Bible killed 185,000 in one night in the Old Testament. How many could he kill if it's 72,000 times 185,000, over 13 billion people. 13 billion people. 13.3 billion people he could have killed. But he wouldn't because he loved you. He wanted to save you. He wanted to take you home to be in glory with him. He wants you to call upon him. He is the saving Christ. This man saw Jesus as the saving Christ. I have a question. Was the thief saved by giving his tithe? Was the thief saved by good works and good deeds? Was the thief saved by getting baptized in the water? He only turned to Jesus. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Jesus said, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. He got saved by placing his faith. He got saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. May I say that even the thief dying on the cross saw Jesus as the sinless, sovereign Saving Christ. Do you see him as such? Well, fourthly, and I'll be done, and you'll say hallelujah. There is the future that confronted him. When he called upon the Lord, remember me, when thou comest into thy kingdom, Jesus answered him. 
He verily I said to thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. That blew that thief's mind because it's unfamiliar respect. Most people don't speak to the thief. They talk about him. Hey, you better watch him. He's a thief. I tell you what he stole from me. He stole from my dad. They talk about him. But honey, Jesus wasn't talking about him. Jesus was talking to him. May I say this morning that Jesus is not talking about you. He's not running you down. He's not neglected you. He loves you and he's talking to you. That voice, that knock on your heart is Jesus talking to you. Amen. It is unfamiliar reality. Jesus said, verily, which means truthfully. Did you know amongst thieves there's no honor? <laughs> oh, there's no telling how many times this thief has been lied to. There's no telling how many times that this thief has told lies. Let me tell you something. People will lie about you. Extra, extra. They'll lie on you. They'll weave and twist your words around. But I'll tell you, somebody who won't lie on you, Jesus you can trust Jesus. An unfamiliar reward. There's no telling how many thefts, how many thieving jobs this fellow's planned and pulled off. But the moment he placed his faith in Jesus Christ, he was given more than he ever stole. You see, God is exceeding abundantly able to do more than we ask, more than we think. The thief said, remember me. But look what Jesus said. I'll do more than remember you. I'll take you with me today. I'll do more than remember you when I get in my kingdom. Me and you are going to be together in paradise. Amen. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This thief, the minute he died, he went to be with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I took a picture of this. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. There's this old man. There's this old man. His name was Solomon Pease. His last name is P-E-A-S. Everybody made fun of him about his name, Pease. But when he died, they put this epitaph on his tombstone. I got a picture. Beneath these clouds and beneath these trees lies the body of Solomon Pease. This is not Pease. It's only the pod. Pease shelled out and went to God. One of these days, death is coming to you. A new statistic I just read in the Health Magazine, they've said this, that the number one killer of people today, you need to write this down, is death. Death. It kills one out of every one persons in modern society. You will not be the exception unless Jesus comes to take you out if you're saved. But if you're lost, you will not be the exception to that rule. There was an old man, 
He was a very wise man. He always had something helpful and encouraging, something with wisdom to say. To say. And there's these two boys filled with foolishness. They thought they are going to trick this old wise man. They went and caught a little bird. And they got it in its hands and let just enough feathers through their fingers be seen. And they said, we're going to trick that old man. And we're going to say what we got in our hands. He's going to see it's a bird. And we're going to say, is it alive? If, it's, if he says, yeah, we're going to kill it in our hands. If we say, is it dead? He says, yeah. We're going to let it live and fly away. We're going to trick that old foolish man. They said, sir, do you see what's in our hands? What is in our hands, wise man? He said, everyone can see that's a bird. Is the bird alive? Is the bird dead, old man? He said, well, the answer's in your hands. Am I going to go to heaven? Am I going to go to hell? The answer's in your hands. It's your choice. If I could choose for you, son, if I could have chose for you, I would have chosen for you to be saved, but I didn't get to make that choice. You had to make that choice. Carrie, if you was going to be saved, I'd love to say it. I want you to be saved. But you had to make that choice. And there are people here that you've had to make the choice. Death or life. The choice is in your hands. Maybe there might be somebody here today say, oh Lord, remember me. He'd save you today. Maybe there's some here today who say, oh preacher, Darren, thank God. He saved my soul. Thank God I recognized him as the sinless, sovereign, saving Christ. And he has given me more than I could have ever asked for. And you know what? The half has still not yet been told. Today, we look at me. I've, I've, been, I've looked at you all morning. I'm asking you to look at me, everybody. You're looking at me. You're not looking down or you're looking away. With all the love in my heart that I have for you, the best thing I could ever tell you is trust Jesus as your Savior. You are a sinner. You do need salvation. Unlike that thief, you're not hanging on a cross bleeding and dying. You feel like you have a little time here. But you never know when your heart's going to stop beating. You never know when you're going to wreck your truck or your car. You never know when that moment's going to happen. You never know when a disease hits your body and pulverizes you to the ground. When an aneurysm runs through your brain or your heart stops beating because of a heart attack. Young people die every day. I've got like seven of them on our prayer list right now that are very sick. But the truth of the matter is, if you're here today and you're lost, you're sicker. You're in more danger than anybody on my prayer list right now. And God has told me, you preach on the cross. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. I'm not much of a preacher, but I've just tried to share with you. Your future is confronting you right now. It's in your hands. You'll stand at your feet. If you're here, Christians, get this altar and pray. Come on right now. Pray with me.
God, help us this morning. Holy Ghost, have your way. Touch us, God. Help us this morning, Lord. Your head bowed, nobody looking. I want to say somebody here. Maybe you're already in the altar. Maybe you're already in the altar. Maybe you're staying on You need to be saved. Why don't you slip up here and say, Oh, preacher Darren, I've got to know today. Like that lady, I've tried to be prideful. I've tried to say I'm a good sinner. Lord knows I'm not. Today I want to tell him I'm a bad sinner. Maybe you're in the office. Would you slip up your hand? I'll not embarrass you or call you up or nothing. You can call on Jesus right where you are. I've seen people saved in the altar, in the aisle, behind the pulpit, and in the pew. Your head's bowed. I want you to go to heaven. Jesus wants you to go to heaven. The choice is yours. Is there anybody today? Say, preacher, pray for me. I need to be saved. Put your hand up. I'm looking. God's looking. Thank you. Put it back down. Is anybody else? Preacher, I need to be saved today. Is anybody else? Preacher, I'm going to ask that one. Are you willing to come to the altar today? Are you willing to meet me here? Or you want to pray where you are? Would you call on him? Would you wave back at me and say, Preacher, I want to pray right now. Would you do it? Would you do it? All this morning, we're turning the service over to the Holy Spirit. God, you know the need today. Needs all around us this morning, Father. God, I pray that as they make this choice, this responsible decision, that today, Father, they would choose Jesus. Then call upon your name. God, give them courage. God, give them faith. Save them, Lord. Help them, God, I pray to defeat pride and worry about what people's going to say. They better worry about what God knows. Lord, would you help us, God? Oh, we're still praying, church. We're still praying. We've seen hands go up. Is anybody here say, Preacher, I'm willing to call on you. Would you meet me in this old-fashioned altar right now? Would you come? Would you come? Would you meet me? Father, I'm turning the service over to you. You know the need. God, thank you for saving me. A wretched, wicked, heinous sinner. Lord, I love you this morning. I ask your blessing. God, upon the furtherance of this service, continue to convict, draw, woo, Father, I pray. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.